0: Hello and welcome to another episode of CBO Speaks. I'm your host Donna Sheely. Today I'm excited to talk with Randy Livingston. He is the Vice President of Finance and Administration at Thomas University in Georgia. Randy, welcome! Happy New Year, and thanks for being with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for the invitation.
0: You're so welcome. So, Randy, you are not new to this. You have been in admin leadership for some time now, since 2000. Yes. We definitely look forward to hearing about the knowledge you've gained over the years. So let's take us back to the beginning. Tell us how you arrived at higher ed as a career.
1: I started off with a career of 25 years in the private utility industry, working for the largest generator in the state in the United States uh, for that period of time. And that career afforded me a very, very diverse accounting career included financial reporting, regulatory, uh, liaison testifying before regulatory commissions, uh, monthly closings, cash managements, plant asset accounting, things of that order, which really paved the way for my role in higher education. I've been a certified public accountant for 35 years. I just recently in April of this past year, uh, retired my CPA license and, uh, so I spent quite a bit of time in strategic planning and for five years doing merger and acquisition analysis and uh, joined the world of higher education in July of 2000. The invitation of a friend who is the vice president of, of administration at a small college in Florida. And uh, he invited me to apply. And I thought, wow, I've always wanted to live in Florida. So it was from Ohio. And so I came and interviewed, and it worked out well, and uh, we are here.
0: Wow. Well, that's pretty awesome. So what surprised you when you first entered into this as a career?
1: Well, one thing that no- is noticeably different in the world of higher education that was a very stark contrast from, when I, from the private industry sector that I came from and I'll just say it this way, is a lack of urgency to get things done. There is a quote-unquote collegial approach that endemically is aimed at a slower, more methodical, accomplished perspective. You know, when you're working in private industry, time is of the essence. Right. When I came to higher ed in 2000, first of all, they had a committee for everything. <laughs> okay. There was the school I joined had 18 standing committees. Wow. So, I mean, okay, 18 committees and you didn't do anything until it went through a committee. So, which is quite a bit different than the private sector from which I was in. It was, it was very intense, very profit motivated earnings per share type thing, uh, driven by efficiency and effectiveness and, Here in higher ed, when I came, it was, you know, if we don't get it done this semester, maybe next semester. So that was my the clearest distinctive feature from higher ed. And I had to learn to become collegial.
0: And talk to us a little bit more about that. How did you do that? Because that's a big change, you know, coming to uh, this lack of urgency when you're used to things, you know, let's get this done quickly. So how did you transition and make that transition?
1: Honestly, you don't have a choice. Right. You know, <laughs> that's all there is to it. I don't mean to be so candid about it, right. but you really don't have a choice. You're not, you know, the higher ed is a big ship. You're not going to turn it and make it go in a different direction when it's been functioning in a certain way. So you have to adapt. You have to learn how to pursue what belongs to your court in a way that. How it touches those other vested constituencies to bring them alongside to gain their consensus, to get, to capture their viewpoint, to assure that they are comfortable with your changes, the things you're pursuing and, uh, doing so that we can all step forward at the same time. And that, that was a, it was a change. I, that was not the way we lived and operated in the private sector. So learning to get everyone's endorsement was an important element, but it leads also to some of the challenges that that go along with that type of exercise.
0: So what is something that, let's say, that you learned when you first got into higher ed that stuck with you all these years, like a major... I'd say maybe lesson or something that you did transition that you're like, you know what, I'm glad I do that. And it stuck with me all these years.
1: Probably going back to the first remark about the first impressions, lack of urgency, collegial approach, committee for everything, learning that, but also recognizing that there are challenges that go along with it. You can't just jettison the adverse circumstances that accompany that kind of approach to life. In fact, that's one of the reasons higher ed has had so many difficulties in the 90s and following is uh, the lack of clear a business construct that that uh, really made it successful in its operations. The challenge that what what I learned there was that there are significant voids of information in within those constituencies for example my point is simply this as the chief financial officer while you're required to gain support consensus you are getting that from people who really don't know much about the financial world that in itself you have to have a certain amount of uh, desire to be as leading as possible to make sure they're understanding the financial implications rather than just getting a head nod from your academic Dean or from, you know, someone else who honestly they don't understand when we talked about changing the financial aid policy and how we're going to, you know, you, you present that to a large committee and everyone, Oh yeah, I see that. That makes sense. (laughs) When in reality they don't understand the financial implications of if it goes sideways. Right. So you have to, you have to really work hard at presenting issues to people so that you can really gain constructive feedback that can actually shed light. You don't want to be your you don't want to be your own light. You want to have other people who can shine a valued light upon your work and your pursuits. And so it takes a lot more handholding and instruction in the world of finance to get that positive constructive comment from the, the constituents that you're trying to build consensus with. Does that make sense what I'm saying?
0: Yes, it does. That's very good. That's a really good nugget for someone who, you know, is listening and in your position and, and coming against that challenge and getting the head nods, like you're saying. So I think that's really good to break that down and be able to explain things in a constructive way that people who don't understand finance Can understand. Is that is that what you're saying basically?
1: That's exactly it. Because one of the things that finance people are notorious for is producing large volumes of financial information, data. Okay? And they would spring that on a user. This is what I've discovered. This is my report. And the you know, the eyes become glazed because they're like a frog. In a flashlight, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the, you have to learn how to shape your data to shed what's not essential while it's supportive, shed what's not essential to bring focus to what really needs to be looked at by that constituency for them to be able to make constructive comment and play the role they're supposed to be playing in feedback in a collegial environment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. So, you know, you've been doing this a while, Randy, and I'm sure you've seen some major major um, shifts in your role. So talk to us about that. What shifts have you seen? And you can even talk about some of the shifts that we can look forward to in the future that you see are coming.
1: The shifts in the role. I've been at three different higher ed institutions in my career. And in every one of them, for example, I've this is my 22nd year. I've been the chief financial officer for 19 of those going on 20 years of those 22 years and the vice president of financial planning for the other three. Okay. So my point is for all of that time, your role honestly is driven by your president and the board. And it changes depending on the, for lack of a better way of saying it, I don't, it's not necessarily competency, quote unquote, for a president and the board, but how they perceive their role in the university and what they expect from you. Uh, I've had been in institutions where the CFO was, their bylaws required the CFO to review every contract, regardless of whether it was a financial contract or not. Okay. So those were significant a significant uh responsibility for that CFO position and that you couldn't uh really engage you could, there was no one that could sign any kind of debt agreement however small for the university except the CFO all right so you get to that and you move away where and that's that CFO. In those responsibilities, what you find is that, well, you're CFO because they sit in a position where they review the economic activity of the university from a financial perspective, which is one of the few positions in the university, other than the president, that actually looks at the entire university. Everything that someone does, Is an e-generates economic activity and is measured in the financial results. So the CFO sees all of that in a context that's bigger and broader than most other individuals do. And they have the, they have the responsibility for evaluating its efficacy, its serviceability to the university and so on and so forth. So that being the case, your CFO has a little bit in some cases, more, ex- more responsibility put upon them. Hence, they're called the chief business officer because of that, meaning they oftentimes are the chair of the, the strategic planning committee because you cannot create a strategic plan that doesn't have economic impact, you know, and, and, and it has to be tested against the realities of those economic impacts. So depending on how your president perceives that. Now, if your president is more into political issues, okay, then they're leaning more towards marketing, how the university is presented, and less in these financial arenas. While they don't deny the financial arenas are more important, but that means they don't give them the weight. I've been in places where the president makes his own strategic plan as opposed to one that's built up from the ground up with consensus from the collegial perspective. It's really, here it is. This is what we're going to be doing. And so the role of the CFO is com- in that institution has been completely different from the role of the CFO in, the, in a different institution. So my point is simply, the roles are interpreted properly. I mean, a CFO who has responsibility for the retail functions for the Finances of the university for legal issues that as it relates to those, those run from school to school. But the level of intensity and how visible those roles are, are very much affected by the president and the board. And if the board is very schooled in the role of a, their fiduciary responsibility at a nonprofit institution, uh, they can be very, very helpful. And if they're not, they can be either very, very distant or very, very burdensome. And so I'm just saying that I'm not that that happens in life. That's all there is. A lot of times people get on a board there. They don't really understand their role.
0: I like how you keep it plain. Randy, that's good. You make it plain and, and spell it out. I really like that. So you you have a lot of knowledge. So talk to me about how you're giving that back. What does your succession plan look like, and your mentorship?
1: For me, it's personal interaction. I'm 68. I'll be 68 in February. Okay, so my my longevity is not for long. Let's put it that way. <laughs> okay, but the thing is, I meet with my direct reports one by one every week and uh, so uh, we meet by zoom because right now we're all operating away from campus in our homes but that that meeting has not stopped since i've been at every school that i've been to i've always met with my direct reports one by one and the, the the role is to interact with them by defining what the expectations are giving them constructive feedback in those expectations and encouraging them to grow beyond those expectations. My chief contemplation for them is this. You need to recognize that you've got to be able to reach up to your superior's desk and take work off of that desk and perform that yourself, which allows your superior to grow and you move into that void. So there's a constant trickle down from, that responsibility you need and we work at defining things and you review enough times where you feel you know this person can take care of that for example for some time i would do the modeling for our budget and i have worked with our finance and budget manager over the time so that now that person is basically uh doing setting up certain of the operational statistics and features dealing with the budget, the department heads for the budget work. So you, you review with them, you engage them, you give them opportunity to work, you provide constructive feedback and allow them to step up into the role that you want them to play, which means you have to get rid of your some of your responsibility. That's the key thing in growth of a subordinate is being willing to let go of your own responsibility.
0: Yeah, I know. And some people have a hard time with that. Letting go and, and delegating.
1: Mm-hmm. The old saying is working yourself out of a job is a true statement.
0: Yeah. So, well, you know, you've been doing this, like we said, for quite some time. What would you say is the main thing that, drive, that, you know, that drives you in this role that kept you in for so long?
1: I like to work with people. In, in, the, in the world I came from, there was interaction. But it was very very focused on product mm-hmm. producing okay. financial results okay here the need for producing financial results is even greater, but the opportunity to work as I talked earlier about um, the collegial engagement trying to help people understand what my contribution is to the mission of the university so that they can make constructive comment on my ability to achieve that mission. I didn't have to do that when I was in previous work in private enterprise, you know. So here we have an opportunity to to work, to build a a a growing working knowledge of the role that I play. There's more, it's more incumbent upon me to understand what my contribution is so that I can articulate it to people who are uninformed. You know, you work with the president, as I said, oftentimes the present they have no financial background they're from public administration or academics or something like that you really have to articulate the significance of what you're saying to them so that they don't put too much weight on it or they put too little weight on it because you know what they're relying on you and so the the challenge of being able to work with others who are uninformed being able to upgrade their understanding to the place where they can fulfill their role in the mission is a very enjoyable uh, part of my job.
0: All right. Final thing, you know, your future. You've been doing this a while. Do you see yourself, you know, a few more years? What What does Randy's future look like as we move into a, in a new year? What, what, what can we look forward to or what are you looking forward to as you continue in
1: the role? We are doing new things. Our school's adding a football team. Oh. So that's stretching a little bit. other institutions i came to they had a football team right so but so this is a brand new exercise you know so i'm it's it's a little bit challenging on that front i'm enjoying that when i was looking for this position i was actually seeking prayerfully seeking something that would challenge me financially and allow me to use my accumulated experience in a profitable engagement and this has turned out very well that way because we're a smaller university and uh the challenges that go along with a smaller university are many. We face all the same issues that larger universities face with less resources, either financial or personnel. And that that puts a demand on the contribution that uh, that needs to be made. So I'm, I'm very thankful. I enjoy what I'm doing. I, I'd like to stay a few more years and, and see us pass the football team, see us uh, grow in that arena, if you will. And uh, but other than that, uh, my time is rapidly diminishing. If, if for what it's worth.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well, you. I don't even want to let you go. The knowledge that you have. I hope you even once you do leave the field. I hope that you will do some sort of mentoring classes or something because you just have so much wisdom and so much knowledge. We just appreciate you sharing.
1: Let me just say this. Mm-hmm. That which I've learned, the Lord has helped me learn. And He's put me He's put me around good people Yeah that have invested in my life. That's the honest truth. I've had a good career and uh people have made investments in my career and in my life and they've paid off and I'm very thankful for that. So I, I stand where I'm at today by virtue of his grace and the people around me who've shown favor toward me. So and th- honestly, that that at its heart is what higher education should be all about. You know, my concern now is that it's not really so much that way. But the collegial enterprise where where each serves to profit all is what makes growth a real achievement in a personal life. And uh, I don't know that higher ed is still in tune with that collegial enterprise, let's put it that way, as a whole.
0: Well, again, thank you so much for sharing. Is there any final points you want to give before we close out today?
1: Well, the only thing I would say, uh, going back to the remark about things that I enjoy. Yeah. And that is, I don't want to leave without emphasizing the last remark about the contemporaries that I've worked with. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to talk about what can a younger person do? To advance their career. The scripture says, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. You know, we need to learn to interact with our contemporaries. And we need to do, we need to listen to what they have to say and learn from them and profit from them. And, and my life is benefited, as I said, by the interaction that I've had, not just with my co-workers, but my subordinates have taught me much as well as my superior. So I, that interaction, if I was going to say one thing to anybody else is, you know what? Work with the group, learn and spend time. That's all I can say.
0: That is so great, man. Thanks, Randy. You know, thanks for sharing with us today. We appreciate your wisdom and everything you've shared. You can find out more about Randy Livingston in today's episode by visiting podcast at nakubo.org under Professional Development. Then click Online Education. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks on Apple Podcasts so that you can get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Randy and myself, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. Happy New Year and be well.
1: Thank you for joining us today. I'm Susan Wheeler Johnston, President and CEO of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at macubo.org. I hope you enjoy the podcast.